Welcome to Honestly Haunted. to Honestly Haunted. And guys, it's October! Hallelujah. It is spooky season, and we have some really exciting things coming up for this spooky season. We love October, and we are excited to share of all the things that we love most, horror movies. Yes! With you and with each other. So we have a really exciting thing that we're going to be doing on our Patreon, but we also thought it'd be fun to share at least one episode with all of our listeners on our all of our platforms. So we're affectionately going to call it Ghostly, Ghostly Gabs with Erin and Abs. We know we're a lot. But we are, we're, but you're you here love for us. it. You're here for it. <laughs> if you're listening to this right now, that means that our episode uh, number one of Ghostly Gabs is open, up, and free to all of our listeners. Right now. Right now. So you can listen to it. And if you like what you hear, we're going to be doing more of that on our Patreon. In fact, there's already one up on our Patreon right now. So if you liked what you hear, heard and you want some more, go on over, become a Patreon, subscribe, and listen. We so it would appreciate your support there, but we have so much fun doing these, so we wanted to at least make one available to all of our listeners. Because um, if you've been with us from the beginning of Honestly Haunted, you know that Aaron and I bonded over our love of horror films, so we thought... Why not take it a step further and record some of our takeaways from some really popular and maybe not so popular scary movies throughout the month of October? And hey, if we really dig it, we might as well keep the spoopy holiday spirit up year round and see if we can't do scary movies throughout the year too. So for our Patreon subscribers, we are releasing one episode of our Ghostly Gabs with Erin and Abs. Every week of October. And because October has five weekends, that means you guys get five, six, if you count the one that we've already released to everyone. So uh, please do give us a listen. Go over to patreon.com. Check it out. And uh, yeah, we'll get on with today's show. We're sorry this one is a little late. Again, we had lots of material that we were going to come up with for our next few episodes. But also, I had to have emergency gallbladder surgery this week. So sorry we're a little late, but thank you for bearing with us. But hey, now we get to release an episode on our first Saturday of October. So So it's very, it's still very appropriate. Yeah. Appropriate. It is. To quote Michael Scott. (laughs) So this is all a really great segue into our official episode for this week uh, in the theme of movies, scary movies that we love so much. Uh, So we're still continuing our tour around the country. And we decided to head to Rhode Island to tell you the story of the real house that the film The Conjuring was based on. Heck yes. Uh, So if you have seen The Conjuring or if you haven't, that doesn't matter. You can still follow along with us today because this is just the true story behind the film, which as we all know, Fiction films take some liberties. They sure do. Uh, So, our story begins in January 1971. Roger and Carolyn Perrin moved with their five daughters into a 10-bedroom farmhouse in Harrisville, Rhode Island. 10 bedrooms. And on 200 acres. Wow. It, It was a big location. 
Well, when the family moved, they started noticing paranormal activity like right away. The oldest daughter uh, said it took about five minutes before she felt some paranormal activity. And a lot of the children, all the daughters ex- explained that they felt a sense of sadness when moving to the mm-hmm. home, an overwhelming sense of sadness as soon as they entered the home. The farmland itself was actually notorious in the area and neighbors had warned Carolyn and Roger, the parents, that they needed to leave the lights on in the house when they moved in. Yeah, that's a welcome, yeah. warm welcome. Leave your lights on. <laughs> so Howdy, neighbor. In, in, an, in another kind of ominous uh, kind of note, on the day that the Perrin family moved into the new home, there was a terrible snowstorm. And so there was a ton of motion and moving with boxes and the weather. The eldest daughter, Andrea, asked her mother who the stiff looking man in the home was, but Carolyn didn't see anything and she was like, there is no man. And she just assumed that her daughter was imagining things. The other daughters, however, very quickly all became very pale. And when they were asked why, they said that the man in the living room had just disappeared. So clearly Andrea was not alone in seeing that. And within the first night of living there, the youngest daughter, Cindy, began to hear whispers in her bedroom at night. Now at first, the ghosts at the farmhouse seemed kind of friendly. All of the daughters believed that the ghosts were like kind of kind and benevolent and the spirits were kind of seen as their playmates and even their babysitters. Cindy would actually leave her toys out so that she could have the ghost children that she was seeing nope. play with her, which nope, you know, nope, big nope. old fat nope. <laughs> um, some of the girls even claimed that the ghosts would tuck them in at night and kiss them on their foreheads. Also Are you kidding me? Nope. Such a big nope. Uh, in fact, Cindy said that when they said, when we first moved into the house for the first two months, there was a woman that came and kissed me every night on the forehead that I thought was my mother. Andrea said, mom smelled like ivory soap and whatever this was smelled like flowers and fruit. So many chills. Oh, it my makes spine. my hair stand Ugh. up. It just, yeah, just the fact of something else going in and to, like, kiss my child goodnight, like... Yeah, just not okay. Oh, and so, also, like, these kids are really okay with this. I don't think I'd be so okay with this. I, I mean, kids are okay with a lot, but... Yeah, well, they don't interpret it, I guess, as sinister. Or yeah, I mean, I guess they, they were being kissed goodnight, so... For a, for a long time. Yeah. Um, well, Carolyn, the mom, herself started to notice some of the strange activity, finally. Uh, and in one room, she... Come on, started, parents! Oh, no, please listen and observe your children. That's important, I think. Um, but when she would go to certain rooms of the house, she would hear the sound of sweeping bristles. And then when she would go to another room, she would see no one, but she would still see the broom, like, leaning against the wall. And this started out kind of, like, innocent at first, but then... Carolyn and her husband started to experience even more sinister hauntings in the home. And this is where things started to get really bad for the family. Yeah. Roger began to report that when he would open the front door of the house, he would become overwhelmed by a disgusting putrefied smell. And at this point, the seemingly friendly ghosts began to become unfriendly even to the children as well. Cindy told Andrea that the whispers in her room kept repeating, there are seven dead soldiers buried in the walls. And soon the whole family would start to be woken up every single morning at 5.15 a.m. by the overpowering smell of rotting flesh. And if you're familiar with the film, there is a scene where the siblings play a hide-and-seek clapping game. And this was actually inspired by a real game of hide-and-seek played in the home. So Cindy was playing hide-and-seek with her sisters and hid outside in a wood box with 
you know, just a simple light wooden top. She was easily able to open it and get inside. But after waiting a while and deciding her sisters weren't going to find her, she went to lift the lid, but she couldn't. She was stuck inside, and it seemed like a spirit presence was holding it down and holding her inside. So she cried and yelled, and she sat in there for a while in total fear. When Andrea finally came to get her, she lifted the lid with no problem. The spirit had disappeared. And years later, Andrea claimed that while they were there, a male spirit tortured her and her sisters, but she wouldn't go into detail about what that torture was. So in 1973, the parents were at their breaking point, and a family friend actually called upon Ed and Lorraine Warren, who decided it was imperative to come to the farmhouse to see what was going on. We're not going to get fully into the Warrens, so if you're familiar with the names, which I'm sure a lot of you having be, being listeners of this show are familiar with that. And there's a whole string of movies attached yeah. to their work. So um, Conjuring, Conjuring Insidious, uh, The, the Nun, Nun, yeah, Annabelle. Well, The Nun is like predated, right? but, but it's uh, the same lineage. Yeah, Annabelle movies. And, and so Ed and Lorraine Warren are like these psychic medium folk and there's a lot of controversy around them neither one of them are alive anymore but they are very heavily involved in a lot of different types of hauntings um and so we're not gonna fully get into them they're pretty big names but you know we may do a whole episode on them at some point they're very interesting people very so interesting lots of, lots of interesting things from them for sure but when the warrens arrived uh lorraine who claimed to be a clairvoyant picked up on the name Bathsheba in the home. And upon looking into the history, they found that there was indeed a local woman from the area who was named Bathsheba during the mid-1800s, who, according, according to lore, was found guilty of infanticide. Yeah, the baby had been found with a knitting needle jammed into the base of its skull. And law enforcement and locals believed that the death had these ritualistic overtones, though Bathsheba was not ever actually charged with the crime. According to the local legend, it says that Bathsheba had sacrificed the baby in a pact with the devil to obtain youthful beauty. Instead, however, Bathsheba was contempt to torture people and slowly turn into stone upon her death. So the Warrens believed that Bathsheba was haunting the home and that what she really wanted was Roger. And so since she wanted Roger, she began to torment Carolyn, her, his beautiful young wife, as a result. She also appeared to the children in a demonic twisted form of a woman in black clothes with a terrible smell, sharp teeth, and her head twisted to one side. Bathsheba began to possess Carolyn, and she claimed that Bathsheba stabbed her in the leg with a knitting needle while possessing her. Carolyn continued to act odd, taking to start wearing turn-of-the-century dresses and using olden-style language. She said that Bathsheba was tormenting her, but in a weird kind of twist... To Roger, whenever he was around the possessed Carolyn, Bathsheba was kind and alluring. Yeah, it said like she would like say innuendos and stuff to him. Gross. It's just very ugh. The Warrens actually ultimately performed a seance with the parents in the basement of the home. And Andrea says as a child, she snuck down into the basement to watch and saw that her, an experience that her mother had started to speak a language not of this world in a different person's voice and said that her chair levitated and was thrown across the room. 
After the seance, about a year passed without any activity for the Perrin family. However, one evening, Carolyn walked into her dining room to see a full family in late 18th century clothes seated at the table eating. They all ate without any odd behavior until one man looked up, saw Carolyn, and began to nudge the others at the table. They all looked up with these really shocked expressions on their faces until they slowly began to fade away. And after that, Carolyn began to believe that the house and farm were on some sort of supernatural portal and that what they saw was actually the past. She believed that she had been the ghost to this family in the past, just as they had been to her. Which is fascinating. so creepy. Like, what's so, an interesting idea? Yeah, it's so interesting and also so creepy. Yeah. And also, have, have you ever seen that like meme that's like, like, why do we have all these old time ghosts? I want a ghost from the early 2000s who's like, yas, Brittany, yas. <laughs> One day, one day, our generation haunts the worlds. <laughs> we'll get there. So the parents stayed in the farmhouse for about 10 years before being able to financially afford moving. Um, they moved to a new place in Georgia. So outside of the state, they moved very far away from very Rhode far. Island. Uh, and when Lorraine asked Carolyn if she would be willing to tell their story in a book, Carolyn said, you know, I'll have to ask my husband. I don't, I don't know about that. Um, Call back the next day. And after that call, Carolyn was doing laundry, and then the laundry door suddenly became unhinged and fell and hit her from behind. It gave her a concussion and dislocated her shoulder. Carolyn told Lorraine that she believed revisiting the experience would invite the spirits back, and that was just the beginning, so she said no. Much, much later, in 2007, Andrea, the eldest daughter, felt the world was ready now for her family's story and that her family was. And so with the help of her mother, she wrote a book outlining their experiences. And obviously, many of you know that there was a film called The Conjuring based on these experiences. And some people believe that the spirits were actually attached to the parents themselves rather than the home. In fact, the girls said that kind of coming up into the move of the home, that they felt like something was calling to them, that something had a kind of not necessarily attached, but was beckoning them. Cause when they first moved to the, to the house, like the house itself, like in the property, they loved, like they were so excited to move to this area with all this space, tons of land. Oh, I would love it, a place that big. Yeah. Not haunted, ten, but... I mean, 10 bedrooms. I mean, huge. Yeah. But so they were, they said, I think there was a quote that said it was a piece of heaven in hell. <laughs> Yeah. So, and that pretty much sums up, I think, the experience. But how, and they talk about, like, all the girls talked about how when they finally got old enough to leave the house, like, to go to college or whatever, that they, like, left and didn't look back. Yeah. Like, how terrifying is it to have to, like, you are financially obligated to to stay stay. in a house that is haunted. Yeah. I know. And and the fact is that when they did leave, they left and went far. Far away. And, and I think it's it's fascinating to think about that idea of it being tied to them rather than the home. Because they were there for so long mm-hmm. that I think some some of it is, is hard to tell. Because I, I do feel like a lot of young children tend to be more susceptible to Mm -hmm. supernatural things. And so these girls all grew up in that place. So perhaps when they were most susceptible to whatever was following their family, they were there. Mm -hmm. But now as adults, maybe they don't have as much experience, but maybe it isn't tied to the house. Or maybe like, because it sounds like the Warrens tried to do an exorcism or a seance to cleanse the house. So I feel like we should clarify a little bit. So when we were doing the research... We, we said that Carolyn was possessed by Bathsheba because I feel like that kind of sums, sums up. up 
what it was. But but the Warrens used a very different type of phrasing. And they said that she was oppressed by Bathsheba. And what they meant by that was that, like, Bathsheba was trying to get her ready for possession. And and now, like, I, I don't know how one can quite tell if a demon is possessing you or just getting you ready to possess. They so, said it was like a demonic foothold, which I yeah, think is a really interesting expression. It is. So it's like she starts demonstrating behavior of Bathsheba, right. which Bathsheba isn't supposed to be a demon unless... Right, she was a... She was witch. a person, and then maybe a witch, and then she made some sort of pact that clearly went bad for her because she was then tormenting people. Yeah, which I guess means maybe she was turned into a demon or demonic maybe something. But it's the way I've never heard an oppress uh, an oppression prefer before. Yeah, I had like, that's either. an interesting way to describe it. It's like they're, they're almost like prepping her for right. So that explains like she started talking weird, like old timey and, and wearing on clothes. old clothes. Yeah, and so so I think what's interesting to me is, like, there's two very distinct types of hauntings or supernatural things happening here, because there's, on the one hand, Bathsheba, which I think explains a lot of the more typical possession-type haunting mm-hmm. stuff. But then there's a thing that happened the year later, where Carolyn believed that they were on a portal to this, these, where she kind of, like lapsed with the past Mm -hmm. and became the past's ghost too and that stands out to me as so different than the Bathsheba haunting and and I don't it's interesting there's a few things yeah lots of things going on and and that Bathsheba is likely not the only spirit in the home right because the girl's claim that they had experienced they saw a, a man male, the very a, first day the very first day a male presence and then a male spirit tortured mm-hmm. them that there was children who played in the home played right. with them another woman entity that kissed the children on the forehead again that might have been Bathsheba too but yeah there's a lot of activity going on in this home and that these girls are all experiencing and this kind of goes back to some of the things we've talked about in previous episodes about like demons are like not a thing we want to play around with because yeah. If, so I think that brings up a great question, like, was Bathsheba a spirit or a demon? Because if she was a demon, like, demons are known to be able to very much so trick people into thinking they are other things. Mm -hmm. So it could have been one demon being like, look, I'm a kid who's playing with you. Look, I'm a loving, nurturing mother figure. Look, I'm this creepy man. Look, I'm all of these things. Mm -hmm. Um... Or was it just a place, like Carolyn later said, that was like a supernatural portal and Bathsheba just happened to be one particularly malevolent spirit that that came out, out of it? Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the things that we've read about the history of the house, it's an old house built in the early 17th century? Uh, or early uh, 18th, 18th, sorry, 18th century. century. Okay, 18th century. Yeah. So old house. And there have been lots of reports of violent deaths, rapes, murders, yeah. suicides on the property. Again, we couldn't find anything like super concrete saying why it was such a hub for these events. Which it also, it also said that it was within the same family for eight generations, mm. which like maybe that's one of the reasons we can't really find anything. Maybe it's like family drama. <laughs> family. Lots of, lots of very lots dramatic of family, family drama. drama. But mm. it also makes me think of maybe that portal thing of like, right. it, once a p- location kind of becomes a hotbed for that kind of activity, it stays that it way. It stays there. And I keep having to go back to the idea of that like 
she was appearing as a ghost to a mm. family that was in the past. Which like, is fascinating to me. I feel like that needs to be its own story. It does. Like, that's so interesting to me. But It really is. The, the other thing worth noting is that in our research, Bathsheba was an actual person. Like, there's records of her. There are records of her baby dying, although there's a lot of kind of misconstrued stuff about that. And she had, like, four children, and she three lived... Of, yeah, like, yeah. three of them died in infancy. But she also never lived on that farm. That, yeah. She was in the area, so she definitely was from the area, which I think is, is kind of one of those things of, like, local legend merging with... Mm-hmm other There's an actual things. picture of her gravestone, Bathsheba yeah. Sherman, and said that she lived to be 73 years old. Also, in the movie, The Conjuring, it shows that uh, the character, or the the witch named Bathsheba, hangs herself outside of the home at the beginning of the movie. I right, which happened. didn't happen. It says that she likely died from a stroke. Yeah. Because um, the doctor had seen her to treat her for paralysis, which was likely a result of, of a stroke. So there, there is, like... Although that kind of plays into the lore of her, like, slowly turning to stone... stone. Yeah, so there's a few things that are up to play in there, but the name Bathsheba didn't actually occur until Laureen Warren came into the home and picked up on this entity that she discovered as Bathsheba. And what a unique name, too. Very. Yeah, and that would stand out. Yeah, that definitely would stand out. Like, honestly, it sounds like a witchy name. (laughs) And and it's, it's also... So part of me is also thinking, you know, thinking of the time... There was a woman who maybe wanted to be beautiful. The fact that there's tying tie-ins with like, oh, she she came on to men and stuff. Maybe that's why lore of the local area made her into this witch person who was clearly yeah. doing something evil. You know, it comes back to that whole like how are legends created. Mm-hmm. But it is interesting to me. I wonder... I wonder if Lorraine Warren did any research about the area before, before she got there yeah. and had a, had a hunch or thought maybe. I mean, because again, we're not going to fully get into the Warrens, but there are a lot of people who think that the Warrens were BS. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, a lot of people who also die hard think the other way. So it's, and it's, I think and I don't a, have an opinion on it yet because I haven't done the research. Yeah. So I'd be interested if we do decide to do a, a Warren episode. I think it would be really interesting to do a Warren episode because I feel like there's a whole new generation of people who are learning about the Warrens now because of these movies. Yeah, and Lorraine Warren herself recently passed away too. Yeah. And so I, I haven't read any of their books or anything, but I think it'd be an interesting thing to go through. Lorraine Warren and the parents all kind of did some advising for the conjuring film mm-hmm. um and supposedly some spooky things happened on set yeah the family was invited to attend for filming um carolyn the mother decided that she she was like yeah no no i'm not gonna go <laughs> to that which fair I totally get it um but they claimed that while they were on set like this huge kind of presence essentially like a gust of wind swept through the facility where they were filming knocked over lights cameras even people and it set like a really ominous mood for everybody involved, including yeah. like the crew who were like, what? Which is funny because Carolyn was like, back back when they were just talking about the book, she was like, I don't want to invite this back because it's going to open all of this stuff uh, back, back up, up again. again. And then on the movie set, there's, there's happenings. It still happened. Yeah. yeah. Which also makes us go back to the question of, is it tied to them or the house? 
it seems like in this case, like usually we, we see like spirits kind of attach themselves to a location. Yeah. Demons seem to attach themselves to people. In this case, it kind of seems like a hybrid. Cause it, it does. It seems like a little bit of both. It's like, what do I, I don't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what this could be. Cause it seems like they still, and I think if you experience something like this, it never really goes away. And so there'll be lots yeah. of instances of life and things that happen that you're like, is that a spirit or is that it? Right. And the other thing things? with that is like, once you start to experience something paranormal, does that open your mind to all the other things that you might have explained away had you not had that one experience that made you see it? So, so what if they, they as people now are just more susceptible to the paranormal that's around people every day? Mm -hmm. I mean, they've been so exposed to it for so long. I mean, 10 years, a long time. time. And I've seen through like other movies or other people who've experienced like paranormal activity that they like once you do once you are exposed to it you are more sensitive to it from there on out and it's like it'll stick with you for a long time maybe forever and and it was so normalized for them for such a long period Mm -hmm. of time the fact that the kids played with them the kids were tucked in by them even once things became malevolent the fact that you had lived with it normalized for so long has got to leave a mark yeah 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 so what do you think honestly Honestly, haunted haunted. oh absolutely yeah Yeah. i i mean like watch a scary movie about it and you're like based on true stories like dun 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 like and, oh and gosh you, uh, if you're me you immediately start googling and yes. you're like must know everything about true story <laughs> how accurate are we talking i want to see what type of true is this who wrote the screenplay is there a book yeah so what's their biography yeah where, where'd they go to college where's they... their agent yeah <laughs> lots of things to dig into but i i think without a doubt though like and we'll put again we'll put pictures of the home and then of the family on our instagram um, and the house itself is very unassuming. Yeah. And it doesn't look anything like the house in the movie, by the way. I no, was like, what? Definitely took some liberties they there. They really did. House in the movie is beautiful too. But this house is, is just, it doesn't look foreboding. It no. Doesn't look it also for- doesn't look nearly as large as it is. Is foreboding a word? Yeah. Okay. Just make sure it is. <laughs> Foreboding's a word, right? Foreboding. Intimidating. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Ooh, all right. <laughs> I have a master's degree. <laughs> um, anyway. So, very interesting story this week. Again, to have so many firsthand accounts by all the children who lived in that home yeah. is very compelling, very interesting. By the parents, too. The fact that the whole family had experiences and it wasn't just one or two yeah. also. And that they all made it out, like, yes. relatively unscathed. No death this week. Oh, ah. it's good. Yay. Good everybody made it out. <laughs> Scarred and, for life, but alive. And a great segue into our October ghostly gabs with Erin and Abs. We're very proud of that. So Don't make proud. Fun of us. Yeah, <laughs> we're so proud of it. Well, thank you guys so much again for joining us for another episode of Honestly Haunted. Again, we've got lots of exciting stuff coming up for October, so you, we hope you'll join us on our Patreon. And of course, please go listen to our first episode where we'll be doing the film Midsummer. So again, we want to preface that these will probably have spoilers in it. So we want to let you know now, if you're listening to this episode first, go watch Midsummer 
first. And then come listen to, to us. us. Yeah, so we want to try to give, and we'll, before each episode. We'll do a reminder that there's what, spoilers. Yeah, we'll do a reminder of spoilers, but then we'll also tell you which movie we're going to watch next. Yes. So if you want to watch it ahead of the episode, you can write basically be like right on track with us too. Yes. And so if you want to do this with us, please come follow us and support us on Patreon. If you don't already follow us on Instagram, take a look at our Facebook page, our website. It's all there. It's all there. Talk to us, reach out to us. We would love to hear from you. And also if you feel so compelled, please leave us a five-star review. If you like what we're doing, it would really help us out. The it reviews, means so much. The reviews mean so much to us. We're words of affirmation, people. So <laughs> just the, that affirmation just speaks to our souls. So, And as always, thank you for listening. And we'll see you back in two weeks with more Honestly Haunted. Honestly Haunted.